Hello, good evening, and welcome. I'm Simon Bestwick. And I'm Gemma Files, and this, of course, is No Darkness, Darkness but, ours. but Ours. Queerness in horror fiction, in its creators and in the fiction itself, is a huge part of the field. So much so that our recent podcast on the topic lasted almost an hour and a half in total, and at the end of it we realised we'd still barely scratched the surface. In particular, we'd focused primarily on male authors and perspectives, and completely neglected to talk about horror written by, for, or about queer women. We decided that needed to be put right, so sit back as we explore the rich and varied topic of lesbian horror. So really, when you think about it, you know, I mean, horror um, horror provides an amazing amount of power for the powerless uh, and and um, power for the non-default and queer people, non-default, you know, queer people of all types, non-default. Um, and, you know, so when you think about the fact that, you know, Carmilla. Yeah. Uh, by Jay Sheridan Le Fanu. Um, one of the, the great sort of les, lesbian horror sort of foundational texts. Well, absolute we, foundational uh, texts. We, we and, were lamenting in the last podcast that we hadn't talked it, but I had this, this my terrible confession is that at that time I actually hadn't read it. So wow. I made a point of, I somehow, I knew, you know, some of the basics yeah. of the, the basic premise and stuff, but uh, it wasn't, you know, until afterwards it was like, holy fuck, I actually need to get around to, to yeah. reading this goddamn thing pdq and of course i did and it's brilliant but we, we, absolutely so let's talk about it um yeah, you know yeah. the interesting thing is that uh, carmilla came out before dracula yes that carmilla yes. predates dracula and i i gotta say i i like the Fanu a lot and um you know one of the things that i always found interesting about him was that he he is very fascinated with creepy female characters mm, you know yeah. uh recently i i uh, drew a picture of madame crowell from madame crowell's ghost oh yeah hi <laughs> yeah. ah, little limb i'll take you to your stiff you know it's like <laughs> he, he, was, he was really obsessed with like people who were once young and beautiful aristocrats and could do whatever the fuck they wanted and did awful things and then what happens to a person like that as they get older um yeah. he was also obsessed with people who are who have gone insane for various reasons usually because terrible things have been you know practiced against them and um you know there there are like five or six lefanu um stories that are built around uh a person who either is a ghost or a person who just behaves like a ghost, and that person is usually female, which is is kind of interesting. It's usually like one female person, you know, being trapped by another weird female person who sort of shows her what could happen to her at some point. <laughs> you know, it's like if things if things don't turn out, you might be this person. You know? Yeah, and of course, yeah. I think when Camilla, I mean. Uh, I think obviously we're going to we're going to be discussing um, uh, some of these a number of these texts in some depth. It's fair to sort of say yeah. that we're going to be spoilers here for yeah, sure. uh, people who haven't read people. Anyway, so if if like like me until recently you haven't read Carmilla, yeah. then go away, read it, and then come back. 
Yes, and because that's... everyone should read Carmilla. Everyone, yes. and certainly yes. everyone who's interested in vampires should read Carmilla. Um, you know, it's like the yeah. the uh, the impact of Carmilla on movies and other books and you know and other stories has often been, um, as I said, in that kind of fetishistic way you know it's like if mm. uh you know if you watch hammers the vampire lovers you know you will yeah. see uh a lot of people trying, the boobs out, basically. yeah you know yeah yeah and and you know and they're really trying to you know um all the women who are involved are are really trying to make a good film you know and peter cushing certainly is trying to make a good film trying not to look at the boobs you know? <laughs> Yeah. But but it's really hard because it is like, you know, it's like, yep, get him out. <laughs> it's like, not quite as bad as Twins of Evil, where the Twins of Evil are pretty much the memories. You know, it's like, how, how can I tell that that woman is a witch or possibly a vampire? It's because she has large boobs and they are barely covered. Barely oh, covered. <laughs> You know, but I think we'd both be in trouble. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I got the moves, you know. Is uh... <laughs> all they are is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stars. They're just bags of yellow fat. Anyway, um, but uh, okay. So, so, but the but the story Carmilla is very different. The story Carmilla absolutely reads like like a discovery that you know here's here's our main character um whose name i've forgotten laura yeah our main character laura um who we are introduced to she lives in styria um she is you know the i i believe the daughter of a doctor i may be wrong i'm not quite sure what it says but the doctor is a sort of friend of the family i'm not quite sure what it says her yeah. father it's probably just like a landholder of some shape and um she you know and she's she's very alone uh she's brought she, you know, she's an only child she has no mom yeah. you know she's brought up in this very close relationship you know with her dad but it's a very victorian relationship you know um and she yeah, is says very. He, says she was in the Austrian service and retired upon a pension. That's it. That's it. And so she's, you know, she's quiet. She's well educated. She's, you know, um, you know, but, but there's nothing in her life that is, you know, like super fascinating. She has mm. a couple of friends that she barely sees because they live somewhere else. You know, she writes to people a lot. You know, she, yeah. and and she has this dream that has been with her since. The beginning of her childhood where you know uh she she is afraid that something is in the room with her she thinks it's a cat you know horrible huge cat and then um she cries out for comfort and a beautiful woman comes in and picks her up and yeah. then she f and clutches her you know to her chest hugs her intimately and then she feels these two terrible needles driven into her 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 breast <laughs> you know it's yeah. like uh and this begins when she's a kid you know so yeah. you know, it's like that's the so it's it's this interesting kind of thing where you're like it's a nightmare but it's 
but it's kind of pleasurable at the same time. And yeah. I'm like, oh, what does this sound like? Sort of sounds like, you know, lying in bed, discovering your genitals, you know, that you fiddle with yourself for a while and then, you know, something happens and it's sort of like dying and it's sort of amazing, yeah. you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always fascinated by the terminology that people culturally have for orgasm, you know, how um, most people are like, I'm coming throughout the European half of the world and throughout the Asian half yeah. of the world, it's like, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> Literally true. Literally true. And people are, there are the three schools of uh, people, when people are having an orgasm, they, they fall into, into three categories, the positive, yeah. the negative, the religious. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh no. Oh no. And, oh God. Oh God. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And there is something that is, you know, um, that is fascinating about that moment where you realize that you can do that to yourself and it opens you up and, you know, um, and then you begin to realize what it is that you're attracted to. Um, and, you know, it's like, it, it, it's, it's that movement from, oh, you know, if I'm on the school bus and I sit in a certain place, it's great, <laughs> you know, I like, press up against the, the dishwasher. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's kind of amazing, you know? And then it becomes like, ah, oh, you know, Bob is weirdly, I want to be around Bob and I don't know why, because he's just, he's an asshole. <laughs> or maybe I want to be around Roberta and I don't know why. Yeah. He's kind of an asshole. <laughs> I just want to hug Roberta all the time. <laughs> he's like roll yeah, down a hill with Roberta. The added pleasure, of course, when, when they're when they're discovering what works, especially if they're sitting on the bus in a certain position, is oh, when it's your stop and you have to get up, and uh, mm. that's you've got to yes. you're, you're you're heading for the steps, looking like Quasimodo. Um, and exactly. I remember actually, this actually happened to me in class at school on one occasion. I can't oh, remember. No. If I, was thinking, I don't know if I was thinking about anything in erotic yeah. in particular, or if it was just the fact that you know I was like. Uh, I don't know, 14, 15, and uh, my blood was 90% hormones, and I just basically found myself with a non-negotiable stalk on, mm -hmm. uh, just when I had, at the point when the, the, the teacher was saying, uh, oh, Bestwick, come and get your, come and get your exercise book for the oh, bunch God. of class. <laughs> like, so you yes, didn't even no. have the exercise book to like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was kind of poaching the front of the, are you all right? But yeah, yeah, just my back's a bit sore. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, I'm fine. Yeah, um, you know, and this, of course, is, is part of, you know, female sexuality, which is kind of interesting that you can hide everything that you can, you know, it's like yeah. it's inside of you. And, and you know, kind of, often that can be and that can a distinct advantage when so often culturally you need to, you know, you're not you're not supposed to. Have, yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've, I've listened to I've listened to people talk about how, uh, you know, that, that strange thing where it's like you're expected to be heterosexual and to be interested in guys, but you're also expected, you, you're also not supposed to profess any interest in guys. Yes. You know, it's like, it's okay to like that guy who is just a poster on your wall, but it's not okay to like that guy who's over there and be like, I want to rub myself on you, you know, or whatever. Um, and <laughs> yeah. you've got to be this sort of unattainable. You've got to be his unattainable object of affection to sort of. Yes. You, you can choose to give your favors, kind of thing, but you can't. You can't pursue him. 
Yes, exactly. And how weird it is, for example, to be asexual in a super heteronormative society. Um, Mm -hmm. There are people that I've listened to talk about being realizing that not not just that that they were lesbians or that they were gay, but that they were actually asexual in a society like uh, a super Baptist environment where it's all about you get, you know, you you get bigger and then you marry somebody and then you have kids until your uterus falls out, you know. Okay, so back to Carmilla. So Laura is, Laura is, you know, has this sort of thing that's bubbling inside of her and she doesn't really understand it. Um, she thinks it's just a nightmare. She thinks it's just a weirdly interesting nightmare that she keeps having over and over and um but interestingly then um her you know her father uh and she uh are alerted to the fact that there has been a carriage wreck outside of their house and um this woman comes in uh and who who claims to be an aristocrat um does she say she's a countess i think she does Countess, yeah she's got to go She's got to yeah. be on her way somewhere else. Yes. Um, but her and daughter, somebody needs to look after her daughter. Someone needs um, to look yes. after her daughter who has been knocked out in, in, the yeah. ca- in the carriage ride. She doesn't think that she's, you know, like terribly hurt, but she has to keep going. And yes. someone needs to look after her daughter. And her daughter is Carmilla. And yeah. um, Carmilla is, you know, so Car- we're introduced to Carmilla. And again, this is this is very interesting within the context of female sexuality we're interested we're introduced to Carmilla as a sleeping person as a person who is in this it almost in a coma so she's she's in the same situation that Laura was in when she had the dream Mm. and when she opens her eyes she's like oh this vision of loveliness you know Laura who's like you know leaning over me you know it's like and then she claims that she has had a dream since she was a child, yeah, which is the opposite, which is the same dream, but the person who comes in is and comforts her is Laura. Yeah, it's the same dream with the roles reversed, basically. Yes, exactly, exactly the same dream from, with the roles reversed. So it's fairly obvious that Carmilla has something to do with this dream that Laura's been having, but it's never made clear whether or not Carmilla has that kind of power. So I think it's it's kind of I mean because obviously you it's it's very hard to be reading just even to go into it to start reading it without obviously guessing beforehand Carmela's going to be a, Carmela's a vampire because we all anyone the, the original readers wouldn't have known that but yeah the original all, readers would have been like is she a lesbian and then she and then it's like <laughs> what's a lesbian oh, not a vampire <laughs> <laughs> is that better is that worse but I mean on another level I mean of course because in real terms Carmela is far far older than Laura yeah. um, and her the whole the whole person i mean the the whole i mean to the to what extent can i mean the relationship between laura and carmilla how much real emotional attachment is it there on carmilla's side or is it just a kind of is it it's because it's, it, it's in many ways respect she's grooming her yeah no she's totally grooming her this is this is interesting as well um you know particularly when you think about things like um let them rata come in um uh you know like a uh, and the recent adaptation of let the right one in 
not uh, yes, not let me in, but let the right one in, where um, where the main the main vampire character Eleanor enters it not just you know centuries older, but like older in that she's been a vampire for ten years, so she is she looks like she's twelve, but she's actually twenty two. And her father at one point takes her aside and says, you know, uh, Zaya's a little kid. You get that, right? <laughs> you know, you are not actually a little kid. And Isaiah is a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like he thinks he loves you and you think you love him. But there's something a little bit weird about that. <laughs> you know? I suppose there's a bit of that in an interview with the vampire as well. And that Claudia um, is always going to have the body of a child, even right. as she grows as a matures as a person yes um so she's got you've got a mind that's decades or centuries old inside you know uh, a body that i mean of course I, I don't know if i don't think claudia has does claudia have I, it's been so long since i read the book i don't know if claudia's character can be said to have any uh, have a sexuality as such i no, mean um in the most recent one she's fifth she's around like 15 when she gets right. turned into she's, a vampire so she definitely has a sexuality. She, you know, she yeah. uh, is having sex with a guy and drains him at the same time. So her sexuality is always, you know, yeah. it, you yeah, know, comes. Yeah. And it's and it's always because this was partly inspired by the daughter that Rice lost, wasn't it? Exactly. And, you know, that version well. of Claudia, I think, you know, is in love with Louis, you know, but Louis yeah. is like a full grown man and at, and by the time that she dies she is a full-grown woman inside of a little girl's body yeah and that's always the way it's going to be you know but i yeah. think they i think they do love each other in you know that way yeah. ellie in that the right one in kind of i mean where, where, where was claudia's kind of a tragic figure in the sense that she's um you know she has the mind of a full of a, of a grown woman but the body of a child and so she can mm -hmm. never even as a vampire Really survive on her own yeah she can't live she can't live she can't live the life in terms of of a relationship she can't um but and ellie but ellie kind of turns that to her her advantage because she basically cultivates cultivates a sort of um a basically yeah. a pedophile to be her, her protector yeah, basically uh, yeah that's absolutely true and um, the horrible you know and the horrible thing is that um as you know as hakan um becomes useless to her that she transfers that to the kid um, yeah. and who she is grooming in his turn to become her friend and her her helper but eventually she knows as she as they enter that relationship that he's going to age into a guy like Hakan yeah a guy who has imprinted himself on uh, a little child you know, yeah. or, I mean, it's a, it's a little bit, I mean, as in Doctor Who, um, uh, he sort of says to Billy Piper's character, I think, in the first season, you know, I can, um, you can spend the rest of your life with me, but I can't spend the rest of my life with you. Yes, yeah, if that's true. Yeah, I always wondered whether, um, you know, a shoulder, uh, the character who gets stuck at the age of um, the, uh, the actress who plays Arya Stark, um, Maisie Williams. Maisie Williams. Stuck at the age of Maisie Williams forever. You know, whether uh, she's sort of like an echo of the doctor in a weird way. Mm -hmm. 
you know, because she certainly, you know, as an immortal, not a vampire, but an immortal, you know, goes through that whole thing where it's sort of like, you know, I, I yeah, I just don't, I, I can't care about people. <laughs> it's like, it's, there's no point. There's just no fucking point caring about people, you know, and the doctor's like, oh, come on, <laughs> you know, you have to care about people. You know, it's like, but it hurts. Yes, that's hurt. You know, um, so yeah, we were saying Carmilla was kind of like effectively. Okay. Yeah, so Carmilla is effectively grooming Laura. Yeah, she, you know, she, it's it's like she sees that thing in Laura, which one assumes is queerness, you know, and she yeah. reaches in there and she's like, hmm, you know, it's like, I'm gonna, um, and, and there's often this, this sense with vampires that, and certainly around this time period when vampirism first becomes like a trope, there's this feeling that vampires can look inside people, that they are a bit telepathic, maybe not, you know, telepathic, like they can talk to you in your brain, but, you know, that they can sort of see your thoughts, sort of see your wants, sort of see yeah. your, your feelings, you know, the things yeah. that are most important to you, and they shape themselves to them. Um, definitely the vampires have that, you know, that thing which later becomes the glamour, which, you know, where they can sort of hypnotize you and they give you what you want. Yeah. And and that hypnotizing as we see with Dracula's wives is always sexually based. It's always yes. like attractiveness. So it's like, "Oh, I I I have a girlfriend. I I I am supposed to get married." Is uh, boobs. <laughs> boobs and teeth. Boobs and teeth. The climate of the boobs. <laughs> and the teeth. <laughs> Teeth inside the lips. <laughs> anyway, so um, okay, so we're no, we're introduced just, to just tracking back backtracking a little yeah, bit. Sorry. Yeah. Is I, that, I, as we saying, she's got pen friends. Uh, there was one friend who was supposed to be uh, due to visit her, and then she mm. got ill, died. Yes. Uh, unless there's something that comes back uh, to, as it were, bite. Yes. Uh, yes. Thank you very much. Said. Yeah. The the general's daughter was supposed yes. to go see, come see her and. Um, you know, and then she 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 died, and yeah, you know, it, was, it was very mysterious. And anyway, so had a bit of it that she she she'd had this very strong attachment to. So potentially, because yes. Carmilla because the one of the Milarca. Milarca. yes, <laughs> one of the things we're told about the vampires is that they will, you know, with 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 most most people, the victim, most victims, they will just finish them off in one go or in a couple mm -hmm. of nights. Where, but there will be people for whom they do actually conceive some sort of... Uh, they, they, they probably call it love in the same way that like a paedophile would call their attraction to a child love. Yes. Yes. It's not, you know, it's uh, it's pernicious and destructive, but um, yeah. uh, that's not how they rationalise it. Uh, but those, those kind of interactions with the vampire are far more prolonged and drawn yeah. out and... They make them last as long as possible. I can't yeah. remember. And, and, and this, of course, is, is another thing that, you know, is is difficult where you're looking for queer representation and you yourself are queer. Um, and you're like, am I am I supposed, you know, it's like on the one hand, power and a queer relationship and quite a tragic queer relationship in, in an odd way. And, and incredible emotional dynamics. And on the yep. other hand, you are clearly telling me that this is perverse and destructive and awful. <laughs> you, yeah. know? you are clearly telling me that, you know. Um, okay, so anyway. Um, so Carmilla is introduced to us as this very languid figure 
uh, a person yeah. who always seems to be she saunters um she moves slowly she almost seems to be half asleep half the time she's never up before like 11 o'clock in the morning if, if you yeah like you know she isn't she isn't wounded by sunlight but she's not exactly at her best when the sun's up <laughs> and um you know and she's also uh she's she's dark haired she has wonderful masses of dark hair she yeah. has beautiful dark eyes um she looks to be exactly the same age as laura um and she uh beautiful color which is kind of interesting. She's not, you know, pale. She's got incredible color, like rosy color. And um, and she's very, she's a goth. She is a super goth, you know, because she is very, very obsessed with death. <laughs> it's like, she doesn't want to hear, you know, she doesn't want to hear church bells. She doesn't want to be around graves. You know, she almost has like a, like an, um, an obsession with it where, uh, you know, she's afraid of it. You know, she doesn't want to be around the, you know, it's like, oh, take that cross away with that horrible man, you know, nailed to it. You know, <laughs> it's not about, I mean, one assumes she probably doesn't like it because she's a vampire and, you know, the power of God and everything, power of Christ compels her. But um, at the same time, I also think that she doesn't like it because it reminds her that she's dead, <laughs> you know, um, and that. that no matter how much she loves Laura, or she doesn't want Laura, doesn't love Laura. How much she wants Laura, or she doesn't want Laura, that whatever she does with Laura is going to end up in Laura's death, and yeah. you know um, that you know which is the sort of the orgasmic you know climax of their relationship. But at the same time, then yeah. She <laughs> yeah. well, I, I thought if I was a goth, I'm now, I'm now imagining um, you know, sort of a film adaptation with Jenna Ortega as uh, yes, well, either Jenna as Laura or as Carmilla. It could, she could work as either perfect, one. Perfect, perfect. Uh, I, I was quite, I, I did a bit of a double take when I realised that uh, Jenna Ortega was the same girl who played uh, uh, the little church mouse character in X. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I know. It was like, I know her. Where have I seen her before? Like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, Carmilla is like, absolutely, she wants to be with Laura all the time. And Laura yeah. wants to be with Carmilla all the time because Carmilla is so magnetic. Um, and also because Laura wants a friend. <laughs> and she, yeah. you know, it's like she was going to have her friend come over and visit her, but then her friend died, you know, and she knows nobody. You know, it's like everybody else is an adult. Everybody else is, you know, uh, everybody else lives in a world that she's not really privy to. You know, and she's alone a lot of the time. And, you know, and then she's got Carmilla and Carmilla wants to hold her hand all the time. Carmilla yeah. wants to press her to her breast. She wants to braid her hair, you know, and she and she wants to say, you know, you must not think me cruel if I hurt you. It's only because I love you. And, it, you know, it's like your your life, your life is so precious to me. You must die, sweetly die into mine. And, you know, and she's sort of like, Wow, that's weird. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this, and this is kind of going on, and I think she's starting to become a bit ill herself, isn't she? Yeah, and she then... is, because she starts having the dream again, and the dream becomes more and more threatening, and it is a cat, 
you know, climbing onto her bed and resting on her chest like a night hag and yeah. then fighting her very deeply. And then, you know, she's, and she starts to wake up feeling utterly exhausted and, you know, and her blood is draining away and, you know, and they start, you know, like bringing in people to, you know, give her beef broth and stuff like that. And there were two doctors, I think, and one of them is kind of, and one of them is basically sort of is like, oh, oh, for God's sake, what's, what's, what's that crap are you spouting to the other one? Yes, the other one's like, yeah. yeah, this is basically write something down. This, this is, yeah, check the, look into this mm, basically. To vampirism. Could <laughs> yes, exactly. be and, vampirism. <laughs> and then the general kind of comes on the scene, the father of yes. the old man who was the father of this friend of hers who died. And That's you right. basically discover how that basically the same thing happened between his daughter and uh, her friend. Mercala. Yeah. <laughs> is, is, it, is it Mercala or Merlarsa? I don't know. It's, it's um, one of the two. It's basically, she's always got to use like an anagram of, of her, her name. name. Yes. Yeah. yeah I um, mean, her, her, her original name, I think, was Mercala. Yeah. Or. It might have been right. Yeah, but anyway, she's one of the eventual. But I mean, we were told early on that there's a ruined village not far yes. from the schloss where Laura and her father live, and yes. this family, the the domain of a of an aristocratic family called the Karnsteins, um, yes. who were now all extinct, extirpated. Um, that they were, you know, yes. yes. Um, and of course, the Karnsteins were, are in fact, and it becomes it becomes clear, the um, I think the there's a painting that the the general yes. had done. That was the, or that was done when Mercala or Milarka was a guest at the general's house, and it's of course the image of of Carmilla, who yes, basically yeah. a very, pulls a very quick vanishing act. But um, yeah, the the general has of course vowed to dedicate the remainder of his days to finding, finding and destroying whatever killed his his um, his little yeah. girl. Um, yes. And they they find the tomb open it, and she's floating there in in blood. Yes, full of blood. And they have her stake through her heart and chop off her head, and she screams yeah. a lot. And the thing is, I mean, interestingly, because of course, um, it's indicated that um, that the other Karnsteins are still very much around and vampire, because presumably that was yeah. uh, the elder Countess Karnstein who dropped Carmilla off at the. Well, it's, it's it's an interesting question because I personally think that you know it's just as likely that. The elder countess might not be a countess at all. She might be a Renfield. She might be a ghoul, mm. uh, you know, like a like a, a live helper who, you know, yeah. totes, you know, the, the Hakan of the story, you know. The, yeah, you know, totes Carmilla from place to place, conveniently yeah. has an accident or conveniently finds a way to, because she approaches, in the, I think the general tells that she basically approached him at a masked ball and kind of insisted that she recognized him. He was like, and yes. he was in a position of, I, I, I don't. I'm not quite sure. I, I can't place this woman, but yeah. Um, but but certainly she is. She is beautiful and aristocratic, and you know. She's very sure we've met, and I don't want to appear rude by saying, you know, <laughs> uh, who the fuck are you exactly, love? You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, much, you know, which makes much. total sense if he's Peter, if he's Peter Cushing, which he is in uh, the Vampire Lovers. <laughs> yeah, but it's very much how a lot of con con artists will work and try and um, yeah, you know. They'll, they'll they'll often approach someone and insist they're like an old school friend. That's I mean I used to work in um, financial services, work um, for an insurance company, and uh, for a while and briefly for briefly um, work for a bank. And so we had a we were given a, a we were we were shown a great we were given a great deal of instructional material on um, mm -hmm. you know on because obviously the big the big thing is fraud and the big thing is people will try and uh, use us you know. 
people, you know, there, there will be people who will try to, who maybe, who may well try to find ways to get customer information out of you because you're control, you're, you've got customers' financial information. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the one of the scenarios where they would do where they could do it was that uh, these people, you know, somebody would approach you, pretend to be like an old friend, strike up a relationship, and then usually try and talk you into doing something for them. And of course, once you'd compromised you a bit, then they had you over a barrel and could just um, make you. Yeah on doing it um and, so. and that's that's another thing that we see with the story of carmilla that you know carmilla doesn't overpower people the way that dracula does you no. know um she doesn't have that immediate authority of being a man you know yeah you know she's she's got really good manners and she you know and she's beautiful and she's obviously aristocratic um but she is still she's playing that role of being, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, help me, I'm sick. Help I'm helpless. Me. I, I'm yeah. helpless, you know. Um, you know, I'm I'm female and therefore I have to approach you from the side. I have to use my wiles. I have to seduce you. I have yeah. to insert myself into, I, I have to feign vulnerability and insert myself into your life that way, you know, so that yes. you're doing something nice for me you're being good to me you know my and strength is my, is my is my apparent weakness basically that's right my strength is my apparent weakness and you know the fact is she's she's everything that that dracula is and we conclude our discussion of carmilla in the next episode in which we'll also be discussing Elizabeth bathory the horror fiction of vernon lee and film adaptations of carmilla including emily harris's 2019 version starring jessica rain and hannah ray all that and much more in next week's episode. And until then, I have been Simon Bestwick. And I remain Gemophiles. And, and this, this of course, was... No Darkness. But Owls.